there is almost a completely different language uh, among preachers. Uh, things that are spoken and uh, little phrases that preachers use and um, uh, sometimes maybe even preacher jokes might be a way to describe them and such. But quite often when a preacher is asked by someone before the, the message, they'll say something along the lines, well, what are you going to preach upon today? What are you going to preach on today? And a lot of preachers, like myself, will respond and answer and say, well, I'm going to preach on the pulpit. I'm going to, I'm going to stand there. Well, that usually gets a little angst or anger or something up, and they'll say, no, what are you going to preach about? And those that are smart alecks, like myself, would respond, well, I'm going to preach about 30 minutes. And so, this morning, you may be asking the question, what are you going to preach on, or what are you going to preach about? Well, let me preempt the smart aleck responses and, and speak to you this morning about a subject that's dear to the heart of every child of God that has been born again, the subject of the cross to glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn in the scripture to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. In the concluding verses of this powerful letter, Paul speaks of that which he gloried in more than anything else, more than the flesh, more than his accomplishments, he says, I will glory, I will boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's read the Word of God or follow along. Galatians 6 and verse 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We pray today that we would lift high the cross. We pray today that Jesus Christ would be magnified. His death upon that cross would be explained. Father, unbelievers would be forced to a decision today, to a, to a confrontation, we might say, to either accept what Jesus did on the cross for their justification or to reject Him. And Father, we pray that believers would be strengthened as we focus upon the cross, that we would glory 
in the cross. May Jesus be exalted is our simple prayer. For we ask in His name these things. Amen. The subject is very simply the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In this great epistle, the book of Galatians, Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, declares that salvation is entirely the work of God. It's God's free grace in Christ and Christ alone. And he brings it all to a conclusion in these final verses of this book of Galatians, tying it to the fact that it's the cross that gives us the message of the gospel. Gospel salvation is salvation that is accomplished and obtained by and flowing from the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you experienced gospel salvation? Galatians is such a wonderful book. The gospel is clearly set forth in this book. In the first chapter, Paul gives a very simple definition of the gospel, or he speaks to the simplicity of the gospel. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil age. Dear friend, the gospel is how that Jesus, because of His grace and mercy, gave Himself for our sins. That is the simplicity, the simple message of the gospel. Don't convolute it. Don't confuse it. Understand what Paul is saying to these Galatians that were being bewitched, that were being mesmerized with another message. Paul said, I marvel that you're so soon uh, bewitched or turned or, or, or moved away from the gospel of grace to another gospel, he called it, which is not even good news. That's much of what, well, that is what he's writing about in this book of Galatians, that they were being told that in order to be right with God, you had to experience the right of circumcision. So Paul lays it out very clearly in the opening verses, the simple message of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. Chapter 2, Paul speaks about the sensibility of, of the gospel. In verse 16 of chapter 2, Paul says, "Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ." How more sensible can it be that keeping the law we fail miserably at keeping the law. And so he says it's a sensible message that man is justified not by the works of the law, of which circumcision, the right of circumcision, would have been such. But instead, he says, man is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. That we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. The sensibility 
of the gospel. Chapter 3, he speaks of the sanctifying work of the gospel. The same grace that saves us, sanctifies us, sets us apart. The work of God's free grace alone is what makes you holy in God's sight. You may not feel very holy, but as you study this book and you see the work of what Christ did, stop trying to make it what you do and embrace grace, the free grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He sets us apart. It's not our obedience to the law. The law, chapter 3 says, was our schoolmaster, our teacher that brought us to Christ. Teachers show us where we're lacking. Uh, Teachers help us to understand. Well, that's what the law did. The law says you're a sinner. And so we see the the, the sanctifying work of the law, uh, of the gospel, in what Jesus Christ did in setting us apart. Those who live by faith in Christ do not live under the yoke or bondage of the law. What a message these Galatians needed to hear. Chapter 4 of Galatians, Paul speaks to the steadfastness of the gospel. As he tells the story of Sarah and Isaac as well as Hagar and Ishmael. And there that it's a picture a spiritual picture of God's complete uh, work of redemption and that we are free from the law. Ishmael, the, the son of Abraham and Hagar, were the works of the law. But the salvation of God's people is a work of grace according to God's purpose, God's promise, God's covenant through a promised seed of Abraham. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it came as a gift, not as the works of the flesh, Hagar and Ishmael, how the world is still suffering the problem of Ishmael's descendants. So he tells us of the steadfastness of the gospel, chapter 4. Chapter 5, the security of the gospel. He says we are free from the law. And we live, in chapter 5 it's very clear, we live in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So it's the security. We don't have to be uh, entangled in the law. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 make clear. So we live in the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. There is the security of the gospel. But then in his concluding letter or a chapter of this letter. In chapter 6, he speaks of the satisfaction of the gospel. Paul shows us that grace teaches us to be gracious. What a satisfying life. There are a lot of miserable people in this world, aren't they? We are one of them at times in our life as well. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation that He brings being justified gives a satisfying life. Bear one another's burdens, he says in verse 2. Verse 3, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You want a satisfying life, then look to Jesus. Look unto the cross and the good news of the gospel. And so this morning as we've just a quick survey of these six chapters, reveal to us the gospel 
And at the heart of that, as Paul concludes his letter, what he wanted to leave with the Galatians was not to glory in the flesh, but to glory in the cross. And so in our mind, that begs the question, what does he mean by the cross? Well, let me tell you three things he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean the historic fact of the cross, the historical fact that Jesus died on the cross. Now, the the knowledge of this fact may be an essential part of salvation. A person needs to know that Jesus died for them before they can be saved. And so the fact of the cross is important, but it not alone, it is not necessarily salvation. So Paul, when he talks about the cross and glorying in the cross... Boasting in the cross, he's not talking about the historical fact that Jesus died on a wooden tree. He's not talking about the literal wooden cross itself. Paul was not an idolater. Someone has said that if you you gathered up all the wood pieces that have been sold to tourists of the Middle East throughout the years, little pieces of wood that someone said, this is a piece of the cross that you could, you could build a bridge around the world. He's not t- Paul was not an idolater of, of the wooden cross, the wooden structure. He was not a worshiper of religious relics. What Paul is talking about in the cross is not a historic fact that he's talking about. It certainly is historical. But that's not what he means when he says he glories in the cross. He's not talking about the literal wooden cross itself. He's not talking about a sign or a symbol. Some people think, well, I've got to go and bow before a cross that's on a wall somewhere. That's not what he's talking about. It's not some, some form of it. When Paul speaks of the cross, he's talking about the glorious, soul saving doctrine, teaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we say that we glory or we boast in the cross, we are talking of what Jesus accomplished. At Calvary. Not in a historical fact alone, not simply in uh, some religious relic of a cross, a wooden cross, not a symbol, but in what Jesus did when He died in our place. And it has always been true, and it's certainly true in what Paul was saying to the Galatians and what the Spirit of God is saying to us today that there are two approaches to God, and only two. Let me say up front, one is true and one is false. But there are two approaches. Some might call them religions. There is the religion of human achievement, and then there is the religion of divine accomplishment. As Paul concludes this gospel-centered letter to the Galatians, this cross-centric letter, he highlights in these concluding words the religion of human achievement and the religion of divine accomplishment. Do you see them? Do you see simply what he's talking about? There are two approaches to a right relationship with God. There are those that believe they can achieve that by their human effort, their works, the things that they do, and those that believe it is by divine accomplishment, by what Jesus did 
Not what you do, not what I do, but what Jesus did when He died on the cross. There's salvation by works, and salvation by or without works by the work of Christ. There is salvation by human effort, and there is salvation by divine grace. One, they believe, is earned. The other, the Bible teaches, is a gift. One depends upon what man does. The other depends upon what God does. And again, one is true and one is false. My dear friend, it behooves you and I to make certain that we know the truth. Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, they believe the truth. Well, there's the core of it. What do you believe? Human achievement or divine accomplishment? Let's look at these concluding verses and notice them. I think they're easily marked out. First, human achievement in verses 11, 12, and 13. Human achievement. Paul specifically is talking to one of the rites or tenets of Judaism that these false teachers in Galatia that were called Judaizers, they taught Judaism as how to be right with God, how to be in a right relationship. And so the, the, the false is what Paul deals with first here. And, and he's, he's showing and addressing how these, this work of circumcision that these Judaizers were proclaiming glories in the flesh. So he begins with a word of urgency in verse 11. He says, See with what large letters I've written to you with my own hand. And there's so much that is spawned from this verse that some say, well, this is proof Paul had an eye malady and, and that he had to write in big letters. Uh, I, I think what he's saying, normally Paul dictated his letters to an uh, uh, amanuensis who would write them thing, those things down. But this was so important, so urgent to Paul that he says, I'm writing to you in big letters, maybe as we do in our text messaging age, when you write in all caps, it means I'm shouting. Paul's saying, I'm shouting. There's a sense of urgency about this matter of those who've believed the false religion of human achievement. See what big large letters I've written to you with my own hand? And then... Paul describes this erroneous belief, this erroneous religion. The religion of human achievement is described in verses 12 and 13. I believe in three ways, or there are three elements of it that are clearly brought out. First, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. Paul says that a core tenant, a core principle, a core foundation of the religion of human achievement is spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. Do you believe, are you proud of what you are spiritually? That's what these false teachers were, these Judaizers were. It's a major plank in their platform. 
And, and, and they, wanted, they wanted the ancient rite of circumcision, not so much because they felt it did anything, but it got them converts. That ought to, that ought to raise our ears, our eyebrows, our antennas a little bit at some of these that are so wrapped up in bowing at the altar of numerical success. Folks, if we just wanted to have numbers, and I'm not saying that every church that's large is, is false, I'm not saying that every church that's small is right. But I'm concerned that there are some folks, that would some, some ministers, some churches, some Christians that would, would rather have a large number with the majority being false or, or they're being, uh, you know, let's just accept them all. So that we can boast and say, aren't we great and successful? And isn't the church? And Maybe it's a misguided, well-intentioned. Paul is describing the spiritual pride of these Judaizers. These would compel you to be circumcised only for this reason. We'll get to it in just a moment at the end of verse 12. But spiritual pride. They wanted to make a good showing in the flesh. Lower the standards and build it up. God help us to keep our focus on the cross and understand what's the standard. I mean, he, all who come to Him in faith in Christ Jesus are welcome. What are the standards to come through the cross, to come through the Lord Jesus Christ? And so human achievement, this Belief is built upon the platform of spiritual pride. Secondly, in that platform is also the fear of persecution. He says only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They wanted to show off and they wanted no pain, no suffering. You see, men hate the cross Unbelieving world hates the cross of Jesus Christ. They call it all kinds of things, don't they? A, a bloody religion. They, they, don't wanna, they don't wanna believe that man is incapable of pulling himself up. They wanna believe that we can work our way, into, and that's what Paul says. As many as desire a, a good showing in the flesh, they compel you to be circumcised. That's the ritual. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Persecution destroys false religions. And that's what Jesus talked about when He spoke of the wide is the gate, but narrow is the way. That, that broad way that leads to what? Destruction. Let's... let's, let's we don't want the hardship. We don't want, and that's what a lot of folks today. We don't want to worship when it's a little bit inconvenient. We might have to mask up. We might have to avoid what we're comfortable with. God help us not to be like the Judaizers. They wanted spiritual pride to be able to boast in their accomplishments in themselves. They wanted to be able to, uh, uh, to, to not experience pain for their message. And thirdly, they wanted to boast in the flesh. Verse 13 says, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, 
but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They followed their works system that they might cover up their own failure to keep the law. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, okay, uh, look how many converts I have. It doesn't matter that I don't keep the law myself. James Montgomery Boyce says, This was an attempt to win others to that which was itself bankrupt. For not even those who were circumcised were able to keep the law. So Paul has made a a very clear case that here is the false religion of human achievement. They can't even keep the law themselves. Can I ask you this morning, are you riddled with spiritual pride? Do you believe because you've attended X number of Sundays without missing that you're somewhat more spiritual? Charles Swindoll said this, and it just pops in my mind at this time, but it's, it's, it's guided me for many years. But he made this statement. Any religious experience that makes you think you are superior to someone else is false, is not of God. That's a good rule of thumb, folks. Any spiritual, or excuse me, any religious experience, circumcision, baptism, church attendance, tithing, any religious experience that makes you feel superior to someone else is not of God. You have spiritual pride? Do you fear persecution? Folks, it costs. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We want a comfortable Christianity, don't we? We want to be able to go as we feel when it's convenient and it doesn't cost us much. We want to boast in the flesh. The world is full of self-righteous people. They can be identified by these three tenets that Paul has made clear here. This is, my friend, the false religion of human achievement. But then Paul begins to close out this letter with his boasting, not in the flesh, but in the cross of Jesus Christ. So here is the religion, if you want to call it that, or here is the belief in divine accomplishment. Paul says, but may it never be. God forbid. This is the strongest in the the original Greek language. No, no, no. May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What most people do, actually, is they boast in themselves. But Paul says, may it never be that I should boast in anything in the flesh of man, but that I boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Do you boast in the cross? The cross is the insignia of the Christian faith. That ought to tell us something. It's not two tablets of stone with the law written on it. The cross is the insignia of the Christian faith. It's not a sword. It's not an angel revealing something to a a supposed prophet from tablets or from gold plates that supersedes the Word of God. It's not a lamb, although it is the lamb who died upon the cross. It's not a baptistry. It's not a book. 
Even though we respect and revere the Bible, this, my friend, this, my friend, a politician can take it and stand in front of a church facility, though he never lives by the principles. The book itself. Now, I would have listened had President Trump stood and talked about the cross and that Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. He's not a theologian. I don't expect him to do that. But, but he was wrong in using the Bible as a prop. And I'll, just to make anybody that might be nervous, I support the policies that have come from this president. He is a pedantic... Is that the right word? He's a childish something, isn't he? Needs to be switched on his legs and so does creepy Joe Biden too, by the way. Just in case anybody wonders where I stand, I don't mind saying but anybody that will take this book and try to make it, this is not the insignia of the Christian faith. The religion of divine accomplishment is represented in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul meant when he said, I don't boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. He knew the person, the power, and the purpose of the cross. And some people don't understand that. Maybe you don't understand what the death of Jesus Christ fully means. Some think the death of Jesus was just a great example, showing us courage and, and the dedication of a man who would die for something that he believed in. And we ought to love him and keep his teachings. That'd be like, that'd be very much like me sitting on a fishing pier over at the lake and I'm sitting there on a beautiful day and, and here comes some great swimmer, lifesaver type guy and that just lunges into the water and as he's lunging he says, I'm going to drown for you. I think, you're nuts. Jesus didn't die to show me his courage. He didn't die that I might see his example. He died to atone for my sin. You and I are great sinners, are we not? And we need such a Savior. That's the message of the cross. And Paul says, if I'm going to boast, it's going to be only in the cross. Why? Verse 14, because it freed him from, the bond, from bondage to the world. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, I am freed from bondage to this cosmos. I'm freed from bondage to this world. I'm dead to it and it's dead to me. I'm in another dimension because of the cross. That's why he gloried in the cross. He gloried in the cross because it does what the flesh cannot do. Verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything. What's that? Paul's saying that circumcision does not avail, accomplish anything. And so all of the non-circumcision crowd, Paul goes ahead and adds this too, neither does uncircumcision. So Paul said it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. It doesn't matter if you believe in the ritual the Judaistic ritual of circumcision or not, it avails nothing. Only the cross can make 
one a new creation. Only the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, taking my sin, paying my debt, and giving me His perfect righteousness. Paul gloried in the cross because the cross does what the flesh cannot do. Lastly, Paul gloried in the cross, verse 16, because of the benefits of salvation that the cross provides. What are those? As, and as many as walk according to this principle, according to this canon is the, the literal word, according to this rule, what rule? The rule of boasting in the cross. As many as walk according to this, peace and mercy be upon them. What do we need in 2020 when it's been, what a wonky year, huh? This year is just, just wow. I, I, I don't, we're going to have snow this deep in, in Belmont this year, I, I, I would wager, if I wager. You know, what, what a wonky year. But what do we need? We need peace and mercy. And friends, only the cross can bring that peace with God and the peace of God. Mercy, mercy. We need mercy, not getting what we deserve. We need mercy. Peace is in the cross. Mercy is in the cross. And his final phrase, and upon the Israel of God, Jews, those who believed upon Him, but even non-Jews that become the Israel of God. That's the analogy that Paul is making. Mercy and peace. So what is it, friend? Is it human achievement? The false religion, the false belief of what you can do? Or is it the belief in divine accomplishment? What God has done through Jesus Christ on the cross. And we know the full message of the gospel is not just how that He died and was buried, but that He rose again the third day. We serve a risen Savior. And so... Are you trusting in human achievement or divine accomplishment? Are you trusting in your flesh or His cross? Almost 200 years ago, John Bowring wrote, In the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time. All the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. When the woes of life o'ertake me, hopes deceive and fears annoy, but never shall the cross forsake me. Lo, it glows with peace and joy. Do you glory in the cross or are you glorying in the flesh? If you're trying to save yourself, if you're trying to boast in the flesh, then my friend, I urge you, I plead with you, look to the cross Look to the Savior. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ and glory in Him. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what Jesus accomplished at the cross of Calvary. We thank You that salvation is in Him, not in what we do. And I pray this morning that Your Holy Spirit has opened the minds and the hearts of those that would trust in their own flesh, that would trust in what they can do. And Father, we would look to You for eternal salvation. Thank You that it's divinely accomplished by Jesus. We pray this in His name. Amen. There is